1: Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Patagno, alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. And we are back in the saddle this week after week zero of college football, full week of college football games coming this weekend. But we still got some uh, conference breakdown of potential impact freshmen. The Big 12 is up this week. And Drew, I don't know how you felt, but... I was kind of excited. I got through this one a little bit, got through Iowa State, BYU, West Virginia. Those ones were a little bit difficult to navigate, but projected order of finish. That's how we always start. So at the top, Drew, we got Texas. And I got a I got a pretty good idea which way you're going to go here. Um, is it Jontae Cook?
0: It is, Coop. How you doing, bud? Good to good to be back in the saddle, man. I hope you enjoyed week zero and and all that stuff. Yeah, Texas. Um, I did go with Jonte Cook here as my potential impact freshman for the Longhorns. Um, easy one for me, right? Especially after that, that spring game. And then you read into what Steve Sarkeesian has said about Jonte Cook, and I think he's a guy. It's gonna be you know, difficult to get some snaps in that rotation, but I think he can, as the season progresses, get on the field and be a chunk play machine for them. So that's who I went with. I'm interested to see where you went because there's a few other blue chip guys that look like they're going to have a chance to be on the field, maybe as early as this weekend for the Longhorns.
1: Jontae Cook's the one guy of the 2023 class. It's like, I think immediately once we submitted that, and I think you were you were a huge culprit of this in a positive way. You love Jonte Cook, and I think that was the one guy that we kind of studied, evaluated, and say, "All right, this guy at the end of the day has a lot of juice, could be a top thirty-two guy." You kind of brought up the comparison to Stephon Diggs throughout the recruiting process that I thought was pretty fascinating, but not surprised by that one. For me, it's a guy you know well, Drew. Cedric Baxter, you know, I think they got so much invested in him. I think going to Florida to get that caliber of player and now without Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, I think they got a void to fill. They still, ha- they got a deep room there at Texas. They got a couple different bodies they can throw at you. Jaden Blue being one of them, a, a guy that we liked in the 2022 cycle. But I think this dude's going to get a lot of touches. I liked what I saw in the spring. He's a big physical back. I thought the comparison for me, years and years back was a guy that kind of reminded me of Cedric Benson a little bit, who played his ball at Texas. Big, he's nimble. He's got three down capability and catch the ball out of the backfield. I love him. I love his ability. I think they're going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. Not only that, I I, I think day one, he's going to be a go-to guy for him.
0: It's funny you brought up that term investment <laughs> because there's a few of these guys where you know that's that's kind of where the pick steered me in, in terms of just where we are with with the NIL. No you you're absolutely right. Cedric Baxter someone we had in that initial top 100 we do for the uh the freshmen and the sophomores. He was a guy I think that started around 36 for us and and where did he finish? 33, 34 in the rankings. Ton of exposure was the workhorse at in Orlando edgewater program i think a lot of people forget he was at one point committed to florida state during the recruiting process mike norvell and the seminoles try to make a late run at him but he's headed to texas now cooper i think that is a a great selection and then there were a few other names i i wrote down here that were notable because jeff jeff ho of how excuse me of horns 247 he kind of put together his own own depth chart malik muhammad running as the top backup cornerback for the Longhorns. Found that one interesting. Anthony Hill in a battle for the starting role uh, at weak side linebacker. And then Nito Umazoli has repped at both guard spots, and I think he's kind of their sixth or seventh offensive lineman. So Texas signed a, a top five recruiting class, and a lot of these guys are are going to play.
1: Does Arch Manning start a game this year?
0: I was going to say, we talked, what, three minutes on uh, Texas without Arch Manning being brought up. Reports, what, there were reports Monday that him and Malik Murphy are still battling it out for that QB2 job?
1: Yeah, that doesn't shock me. I mean, I think Malik Murphy's got the shock and awe of the frame and the strong arm, and, you know, we've seen the pictures out of the Texas quarterback room. I mean, he looks like a physical specimen. Um Everything we've heard about Arch Manning in terms of his progress from spring to fall has been that the arrow is pointing up and the game is starting to slow down. I just wonder, even if it's circumstantial, if if there were something to happen to Quinn Ewers, I wonder who gets the nod there. And I wonder how much PT a Manning or a Murphy gets early. You know, that's a question for another time. But, you know, Drew, we got the schedule here of of Texas and the rest of the Big Twelve, they open up with Rice on Saturday at three thirty on Fox. Be interesting, you know, like how, how like what's the, how soon does Arch Manning touch the field? And I, I wonder from the Manning side of it, is it a priority for him to get reps early,
0: or do you try to preserve the red shirt?
1: Well, I think that I think the red shirt stays in stays intact with. Unless I don't something. think Arch is going to play more than four games, right? Right. So, no, that'd be interesting. Texas rolling. I mean, what what is it? last three years, they've been in the top ten. last two years, they've been in the top five on the recruiting trail. So, they're getting it done. Drew, this was kind of, I don't know, I think one of the easier ones, right? Could have gone in a lot of different directions there. I'm glad Kansas, you picked back, sir. I'm glad you Yeah, did. for graphic purposes. Kansas okay. State, last thing. Go ahead.
0: Oh, I was going to say, I mean, we could look – we could look dumb, and Anthony Hill could be the having Harold Perkins type impact as well. I mean, we—I <laughs> I wouldn't rule him, you know, making a splash early on either.
1: Kansas State, Drew. I remember something you said. I think it was signing day in December, maybe February. I remember you liking this Joe Jackson kid from Florida, the running back. And the more you kind of look into him and i remember avery johnson was kind of the bell of the ball that we talked about and we talked about this kind of future marriage in the backfield together and joe jackson was a guy that you were excited about you kind of wanted to stamp your name on i think i kind of jumped in front of you in line here i'm guessing i did but joe jackson was a guy that i went with from davenport florida number 26 running back in the land drew you had a high three-star grade on this kid you turn him on football player and a guy that kind of fits kansas state and what they want to do there Reading into it a little bit, he's already turned some heads. I think he's going to get some run early.
0: That's awesome to hear because I, in my research, I didn't I didn't see his name come up. And Joe Jackson is a guy from Polk County, Florida uh, Ridge Community School that normally doesn't have a ton of Power Five FBS talent, um, but that region. I mean, I think this past draft. You're talking about five, six guys on day three that went to all different corners of the country. I mean, football players come from there. It is an under recruited area. Just when I, you know, I chop it up with some of the assistants that work the Sunshine State, they say you need an entire day to get through Polk County. So glad you put him on there. And he actually, I think, missed some time as a senior with a knee injury. So glad he's back to 100%. Um, I got some interesting nuggets here uh, on Kansas state. And I feel like as we've done this exercise, it's been interesting to see how different coaches kind of handle and build their rosters. And Chris Kleinman, since he has been at Kansas state, he's only had four freshmen on the season opening two deep. One of them was Deuce Vaughn, who is obviously now with the Dallas Cowboys almost took him in my fantasy draft last night. And I think the 16th round, but Uh, went another direction. However, this year, Kleiman said he thinks eight or 10 true freshmen could end up playing. So it's primarily been a red shirt operation, just like with Wake Forest, when we talked about them in the ACC. So the guy I picked is on the two deep. Another kid from Florida, JC Brown, wide receiver. He is from Chakawachi up in the panhandle, three phase player, as a senior also played basketball and base and baseball listed as a backup slot receiver. I thought this kid was going to be a defensive back at the next level, picked off 10 passes, broke up seven more as a senior also got, got it done on the offensive side of the ball, 925 yards receiving 12 touchdowns. I'm not going to lie Cooper. When I, when his name came up with Kansas state, I, I was a bit surprised. Um, but then you start looking, and he checks off boxes. Boxes. Uh, mom played basketball at, at Florida State, um, and they seem to think he's going to be kind of their slot receiver of the future.
1: Kansas State is one of those programs you just got to pay attention to. It's like what they bring in versus what comes out on the other side. Sometimes that makes sense. You see a lot of these guys get developed. They go through the Kansas State program. They have long careers on Sundays. They've done it. They've done a good job there. Drew Avery Johnson was a guy that you and I both loved.
0: I was going to bring him up.
1: All right. What what's your take on him this year?
0: Well, I was going to ask, you think he do you think he gets in the field? It seems like he is still challenging for the backup quarterback role. Um, I mean, it's Will Howard's is the clear-cut starter. Just wondering, because I think Avery Johnson could be athletic enough for package or two if you wanted to go that route we're talking about a kid that was on my freaks list for the 2023 cycle i mean he runs in the open floor and jams it down now saw him at the under armor all america game didn't think it was the best of weeks for him uh but he still kind of kind of held his own i think in the actual game you know he he created a little bit with his legs So I I thought it was notable that he was still just kind of in the conversation to be the number two.
1: I think you'll see some wrinkles with him, right? He's a dynamic athlete. So much of what he brings to the table is with his legs. I think our biggest question mark with him ultimately was the arm. How consistent of a passer can he be from the pocket? I think he improved that from his junior to his senior season. I mean, he's dynamic, Drew. You talk so much about what he is on the hard court. He's got a awesome story uh from when he was younger and and some of the adversities that he overcame i think it's a dude you got to get on the field early right talked about being invested in uh cj baxter in texas kansas state little apple they're invested in in uh, avery johnson as well so i think that probably best serves their interest to get him on the field early drew next one oklahoma uh, exceptional class a lot of talent both sides of the ball, you could go a lot of different ways here. You got the T box.
0: If you had told me this in the first week of January that six months later I'd be saying Josiah Wagner is my potential impact true freshman for the Sooners, I would have probably called you crazy. Um, but I would have our called guys- you
1: crazy too. <laughs>
0: <laughs> reading our guys at, at Sooners Illustrated, Colin Kennedy and his team. I mean, they have flagged him. As a fall camp stock riser, sounds like he's fighting for a potential starting role at one of the cornerback positions. So I went with him, and why I say it's surprising, I mean, Cooper, you're the one that that measured him in down there in San Antonio. I mean, he was under 5'10, 165 pounds with smaller arms. Um, but he seems to be, and, and you read the quotes from the Oklahoma staff there, like he is, he has fully bought in, came in in spring football and is doing everything they ask uh, of him. So that's who I went with. I want to hear where you went.
1: I like Josiah Wagner, but if he's, he's in the mix right now, especially physically from what we saw at the all American bowl, one of two things is has happened. He is making, he has made a incredible jump from January to where we are now in late August.
0: Which is which is doable. You can do which that. Which is
1: doable. But he he was a slider frame, right? Drew? I mean that was one of the guys that we kind of got there and was like, all right, this guy is not like the others. And it wasn't it wasn't because he wasn't a good player. Just physically it looked like he was a little bit overwhelmed. So that's a little bit of a surprise. I'm not talking about your pick. I'm talking about the fact that he could he could potentially I thought he was a guy that was relying on early.
0: I thought he was at least a year away and even, even as a special teams guy. And we'll get into that a little bit later.
1: The guy for me is Peyton Bowen. Number 57 player overall in the top two, four, seven last year, number three safety. He was a pretty intriguing cat coming out of Denton Geyer. He had everything that you would want from an athletic profile standpoint. Every time I left the tape, it left me wanting more. And there were flashes, and you could see what he could do. But it was like, man, this guy should be one of the best players in the country. And there was a variance on him from a ranking standpoint. We had him at 57. I love Peyton Bowen and the player that he is. He played big-time high school football there in Texas. He's a dude. He's going to play early. I mean, you think about it. I don't think we could have gone lower than 57 because we were convinced that, like, all right, this guy's going to be something at the next level. Super versatile, can play the deep pass, can play in the nickel. High football intelligence and instincts, good and run support. Has some return ability too. He's going to have to play early. Um, the other guy for me here, Drew, is like I did it with Aiden Giles, but I'm not convinced that Dylan Gabriel can hold off Jackson Arnold.
0: I think if we had to. Pick a quarterback that could push his way for playing time like Cade Klubnick did last season. I think it's Jackson Arnold. And I think I've been saying that since signing day.
1: Yeah, you can just see it from a mile away, right? I mean, it's kind of like Ethan Garbers and Dante Moore. It's like, yeah, you you got the nod this week go in at halftime and then maybe we'll reevaluate. I'm not, I'm not saying that's going to happen with Dylan Gabriel and, and Jackson Arnold. I don't know. Like you talked to Colin Kennedy, you talked to some people around the Oklahoma program. I think they know they have something special with Jackson Arnold. And I don't think they're trying to drum this up to, to be a quarterback competition. You know what might be a good problem to have. This might be your dude. You know, you might have a special guy there that is ready to play early.
0: I had him as the most consistent player all week in practices at the Under Armour All-America game. Was excellent at the Elite 11 finals. We're talking about the Gatorade National Player of the Year. Led his team to a 14 and 1 record. Accounted for 4300 yards of offense, almost almost 4, 57 total touchdowns. I I almost went with with him. Um and to just kind of Go back to Peyton Bowen. I think that's a great selection there, Cooper. Again, we talk about like investment. Remember how wild his recruitment was during the early signing period? I mean, it was all over the place. And he did have an interception in the spring game. And I think the quote from Brent Venables was, football is easy for him. But I don't know. I, 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 Oklahoma, what opened Saturday noon against Arkansas State on ESPN? Like, that might have my attention. That'll be in the in the channel rotation because I want to see what Jackson Arnold's able to do.
1: I have no I have no pulse on Oklahoma as a program. Like I, I I really do like what Brent Venables has done on the recruiting trail, but in terms of like putting it all together on the field, no idea. They're in the same bucket as Florida for me. You know, it's like a total wait and see approach. It's like yeah, I like what you're doing on the recruiting trail, but. Can you put it together on Saturdays? I don't know. All right, one of my favorite programs, Drew. It seems like it seems to be like everybody's new darling, Texas Tech. They recruit in a way that I think both you and I really like, really respect. Doing some research on this one, there were some options. Initially, I went with Anquan Willis, running back that I think ended up in the top 247. I don't know if he's stuck at the end of the day, but a guy that I really liked. Brendan Jordan ended up being the guy. More research I did. Backup, Nickel. Backing up, C.J. Baskerville. Finished number 207 in the top 247 for us. Number 16, Safety, from Mansfield, Texas. 200 pounds plus, 11.19 as a senior in the 100-meter. I like this kid. This kid had like Texas Tech Joey Maguire, traits written all over it. Guy that was going to get overlooked, committed to Tech earlier in the process, I believe, and stuck with you know him. this. Yeah, it's a dude like you know three or four years from now, you're kind of wondering where he came from, but it might be later on in the season that he starts getting some more consistent run. But I like that choice.
0: I also went with Brendan Jordan here and. Jarrett Johnson, who covers the Red Raiders for 24-7 sports, said he has been the biggest standout of all the true freshmen since arriving in the spring. Um, I thought what was notable about Brendan Jordan is Tech lists him at 210 pounds. I think we had him at 200. I saw him playing in Orlando at a 7-on-7 tournament, and I kind of thought, like, college-ready body, one of those back seven defenders you're like all right could he be you know in a weak side backer role i I, you don't really know but you just want to take him and I, i think with some of you know he's someone that can be a key special teams guy the first four five six weeks and then maybe as there's roster attrition to injury he is thrust into more of a role but i thought he was the easy pick Uh, for Texas Tech. And I I was kind of surprised. I mean, Texas Tech is is heavy on the veterans. And I thought what was interesting, listening to Jim Nagy, he was on Moving the Sticks podcast with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. He said NFL scouts are making Texas Tech a must stop. And they absolutely love what Joey McGuire has done in terms of Building that roster, transforming that roster, and then giving the NFL player personnel access to it. And you know, when we were at the Scouting Symposium two years ago, that was a big talking point in terms of schools allowing the NFL guys to do their job. And that was once again hashed out here a few weeks ago. But it seems like a lot of people are fans of what Joey McGuire is doing
1: i mean it's pretty easy to see right i mean we talked about texas tech on this show we talked about the autonomy that joey mcguire gives his player personnel department so for the scouting community to have an affinity for what the player personnel department is doing at the collegiate level not a shock you know height weight speed philosophy like it's really simple it's not that hard it's really not that hard when you boil it down to it and there's so much overthinking that goes into this evaluation process. And here's Texas tech breaking it down to its most simplistic form. And it shows you like the return on investment in terms of player development, the return on investment in terms of the interest that the NFL scouting circles have in their program. One All more because nug- they believe in bigger, faster, stronger.
0: One more nugget. And I don't know if this, came from the personnel conference but even what Texas Tech is doing in the transfer portal, Steve Linton, who I believe is gonna take over that 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 edge rushing role for them was a guy that they pulled from Syracuse who they had identified he was in a kind of working on the inside even though he was undersized. I mean he had the length but he wasn't strong enough to anchor. Now they recruit him out of the portal, going to start him at that edge position, and there's already NFL draft buzz. So just kind of another layer of that whole philosophy of what they are doing there in Lubbock. I mean, it is it is 3D chess. It's like, hey, this guy doesn't fit what that team's doing, but he's going to fit what we're doing.
1: Texas Tech opens up at Wyoming on Saturday, 7.30 on CBS. Mothership. You what man yeah these non-conference games are
0: <laughs> what, a, what a crazy out game. of
1: control well, yeah week three Alabama at South Florida are you going to that game
0: it's been discussed I got a a, a good friend that is a USF supporter
1: like who agreed to that <laughs> anyway all right TCU I'm betting I am Betting that you and I had the same same choice here.
0: I don't think so. So,
1: okay, honor is yours because I know you know where I'm going. Cordell Russell, my guy. I mean, we're attached at the hip. We're all attached at the hip at this point. Number 65 in the top 247. Might as well strap the rocket onto him last year in the in the postseason All Star games. Number 12 receiver, track and field background basketball background freak He's on the a, hardwood a fighter freaking 50 50 pass catching ability talk about a scrappy dude i mean we we heard once he stepped foot on campus immediately about this guy not a shock to us drew he had like he came into san antonio in the all-american bowl we we're like all right we know this guy is physically different but he had a half a step Maybe a full step on every defender there. His biggest thing was pass catching. I don't think he's a natural pass catcher. He does some things every now and then that make your jaw drop, but the hands need work. He needs a little bit of consistency. Let lets his ball lets the ball work into his body. Outside of that, it's almost like okay, we're willing to overlook that because everything else is just spectacular. He's a physical freak specimen. I can't wait to see him in that offense.
0: You think he's on the field Saturday?
1: Oh, for sure. For sure.
0: I was going through his profile and uh, some of the old photos of him. I mean, he is – he used to be a twig, and he has bulked up, but I think there's even more. Like, he's a receiver that could be 225 pounds, you know, and still kind of bounce around on the outside. Like I I think there is still a physical transformation. Glad you picked him. I went with the other gym of their class, Marquis Steele. Someone else I had on the freaks list. Jeremy Clark, who covers TCU for for 24/7 sports. This was back in the summer. So I saw this back in the summer. And he kind of did like an insider thing on on what he was hearing about workouts and, and one source told him he's a freak. This is talking about Marquise Deal. He's gonna be play he's gonna play good wherever he lines up. I remember there was some debate behind the scenes for us is is Marquise Deal an offense alignment? Is he a defensive lineman? They started him out on defense. He's already running with the second team unit as a nose. I I think they got something there for sure. And you look at TCU's run to who the college football playoff. Like a lot of these guys, they got in the boat came when they were ranked high in in the polls. Like they parlayed that on field success to the recruiting trail. I also thought what stood out from from Clark's story is he said this is the most physically and athletic team he has seen at TCU, and he's been covering the Horned Frogs since since 2015.
1: To me, that should be. TCU's identity. You know that fires me up. Like they should be a team built on speed and athleticism. I love what they did via the transfer portal last year as well. Jojo Earl coming back, Trey Sanders coming over from Alabama as well, Jack Pet, Jack Besh from LSU, Avery Helm coming over from Florida, and then you supplement that with the way that they finished on the recruiting trail, Cordell Russell. Obviously we talked about in Marcus Deal too and a handful of others that we really like. So TCU should have like a fun brand of football. And there's, you know, we just talked about Texas Tech. They should almost have a more refined vision of that. Does that make sense?
0: It is. And remember when we talked about teams that need to pick it up on the recruiting trail for the 2024 cycle? Like TCU, that's one I'm kind of keeping a close eye on. Like who, who are the senior vows they're making? What, what are they getting? cause i have a hunch that it's going to be some some difference makers guys guys with traits uh, coop they open against colorado saturday noon i think that's like fox's big game i, I don't know what it's called like that will have priority on the television what's the line
1: there i think it's like
0: 20 and a half get it before it moves yeah. to 21
1: I was about to say, do you like TCU that big?
0: Um, Tom Luganbill, I just was watching uh, some video on Instagram before we started this, says he thinks that Colorado's might have the worst roster at the FBS level. Thought it was kind of a flaming take, and he defended it. A lot of questions there at the point of attack. I don't have much concern about TCU at the point of attack.
1: translation i think we're jumping on that line right yeah tcu minus 20. one more guy
0: one more guy i saw on tcu i don't know if you remember this kid jonathan backs uh edge rusher we had him as a high three-star grade out of new orleans they flipped him from southern miss he's also probably gonna play based on what jeremy clark had written i mean tcu like I also just kind of love the range where they recruit going into new orleans like that makes a ton of sense to me
1: i hate to even bring in southern miss into this conversation because i love so much of what southern miss does you know i have alabama mississippi tennessee those are my three states in my region and a lot of overlap with southern miss and their recruiting footprint and the one guy you mentioned is from louisiana and, and new orleans but there's like those G5 teams that you really respect, right? Tulane being one of them. Southern Miss being another one. South Alabama does a phenomenal job as well. I mean, if I was one of those programs in the Power Five, maybe a second tier one, those would be... I hate that I'm even saying that, so I'm, I'm going to stop talking. All right. Baylor, Drew. I went through the depth chart. It just came out. They got uh, Texas State on Saturday. DJ Kinney i up about Texas State, man. Whole new vision over there. Um, going through the two deep, I mean, there was no freshman <laughs> to pick from. There was one guy, Trey Wilson. You do a little bit digging on him. He played at Lakeview Centennial in Garland, Texas. Three-star, 86 overall, number 120 defensive lineman. Drew, he was like 6'3", 245 pounds of what we had on the profile. And then I, I read that he ran an three nine. You turn on the tape, it's a super small sample size, but he flashes on there. Read up a little bit on him. They expect him to play. So to me, I didn't have a lot of options, but I can also see how this guy's going to get on the field early. He, he was
0: one that was in my runner-up category, and they beat out. Well, I mean, I don't know if they beat him out, but. He tripped to USC, Utah, and Washington in June, and then our boys at TCU got him in the weekend before signing day, but but Baylor held on. Um, but he's a name that that kept coming up. Kind of hard to find information on Baylor football i'm I'm not going to be frank on that on that department. Guy I got Bryson, Washington, um, Bears lost a running back during camp can't recall if he was dismissed or if he transferred, but Dave Aranda has indicated Bryson Washington is going to play. Now I'm going to preface this with, I think he missed one of the scrimmages with an injury. You start digging into him, helped Franklin win back-to-back state titles there in Texas, was a semifinalist for Mr. Texas football award in 2022. And then... You go really far back, our guy Hudson Standish there in the Lone Star State. He highlighted this is back in April of 2022, Bryson Washington as a potential draft day gym. Um, If you it, quoting H- Hudson here, if you followed my work, you, you know how highly I think of Washington, including campaigning for Texas to offer him all last summer and fall before he even picked up a single Division One offer. So. Wanted to give Hudson a a shout out there. sounds like Bryson Washington is going to be in the rotation at, at running back. And that's kind of been the theme as we've done these impact potential freshmen, you know, easy, easier for running backs to get on the field.
1: Let me give a shout out to our boy real quick. Hudson Standish, if you don't know his name, does a lot of phenomenal work with us. Been helping us a little bit behind the scenes also with the rankings process. Big help to Mike Roach as well down there who runs a Texas site or used to run the Texas site. Name to know, phenomenal job, passionate about this stuff, does his research, knows it well. And you know what the other thing that you can't teach? Standing on the table for your guy when he doesn't have any offers. It's easy to come out there and say, oh, this guy picked up this offer. I I was the one that said this. Yeah, whatever. Good for you, Hudson. All right, Drew. Oklahoma State did some research, stayed within the 24-7 Sports Network here, and it's like a lot of transfers. Where do you go? Is it a too deep guy? The guy that I went with, Sessie Valahi.
0: Boom, you nailed it. I had to watch an Oklahoma State podcast on a YouTube to make sure I had that name correct. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Vallehi. Sassiva. You know what they call me,
1: what they call me when I worked at Washington. Cooper Patagnamalu is my Polynesian name. Oklahoma State. Yeah, look, you do a little research on this guy. Two way snaps. I like a four nine two in his forty in two thousand twenty two. Maybe that's a red flag a little bit, but I mean you watch this guy play, the play speed kind of jumps off the tape. Three star, kind of buried in our rankings. Buried, N- not a ton of depth at the running back position. Oklahoma State—they're a program that likes to go by committee. I can see this dude carving out a role. I'm not—I'm—I'm I'm not going to flirt with disaster here and try to say his name again.
0: I also went with Ceci. Um Gundy seems to not be about playing the freshman because he was asked about Zane Flores, Elite 11 finalist quarterback, who I think has turned some heads in the preseason. And it, it was a four-man quarterback battle. I think it's a, three, a three, three remain heading into this weekend. And he just flat out said that, like, yeah, other people play freshman quarterbacks. We don't. It doesn't work for us. And I know I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, I thought Zane would be kind of an obvious one, but – Sessi seems to be the guy. He's on the two deep. They have just four scholarship running backs. And yeah, you dig into the profile. He seems to just be kind of a late, late riser. Am I wrong? In Salt Lake City, had more receiving yards than he did rushing yards as a senior. BYU made a late push. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State made a late push as well. And Cooper, I think out of every conference we have done, This is the only guy that signed in the second signing window. Like He signed in February, committed in in January. So he was a late find, and I think he will, at bare minimum, be a special teamer for them.
1: I did not expect the both of us to to have this one. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: Guys, you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast with Cooper and Andrew Ivins. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. And if you want to ask a question for our mailbag episode, which returns tomorrow, leave a review. That is the place to do it. So if you have a question, make sure to get them in there. Also, you can reply on Twitter. Our producer, Lance Glenn, will put out a tweet at some point today. You can reply there to ask a question as well. All right, Drew, Central Florida, a program that you are familiar with, um, and a team that probably had one of their more intriguing recruiting classes in a long time last year in 2023. You know my guy. I'm sticking with him. John Walker uh, have been a fan of his for quite some time. uh, finishing the top 100 for us last year in the top two, four, seven. Ohio State, Florida, handful of handful of others came after him. He stays home. Going to play his ball in Orlando. I think he's ready to play, Drew, from a physical frame standpoint. Lead hands. Built to play the run. Can give you some pass rushing upside as well. He's a physical, nasty dude. He's got some some stuff in his neck. I like this dude. I just think I, – listen, I didn't even do a ton of research what their depth chart looks like because I don't even care. That's how much I'm convicted in this dude. I, I'm just convinced they don't have another guy like him. So, going with John Walker.
0: I also got John Walker. Almost went in a – different direction but i think he's gonna play we talk about investment that has been the word of the podcast uh john walker highest ranked signee ever for ucf they did go head to head with all those programs miami florida consistently was involved ohio state like you said with larry johnson but ucf won out um and just talking with some people there in orlando i think John wanted to play for the hometown team, but I think UCF had to make it, you know, comparable just as attractive as, as those other programs, and they did. Cooper, he is number two on the depth chart as the, as the nose behind Lee Hunter, a transfer from Auburn. But I think when you turn on the game Thursday night, they got Kent State, 7 p.m., FS1, like John Walker is going to be on the field. When I dug into this too deep, man, it, it it's a fun it's a fun roster. Um I didn't realize how senior heavy it was. I mean, they are four guys deep at running back, absolutely loaded in my opinion in the secondary or they have the pieces to be really really good in the secondary. Um so I got my eye on UCF. Two other names came up and this is kind of um just talking with some some people that cover the program. Stephen Lloyd, who covers UCF for 24-7 sports, highlighted Braden Marshall as a, as a guy that could be a nickel corner for them. He was a big win for UCF as well. I mean, they initially beat out North Carolina and Wisconsin. Auburn and Hugh Freeze came in late right before that early signing period. Ends up sticking with the Knights. Seems like he could be a guy in the secondary. And UCF, I think their base defense is five defenders. Like they 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 play a lot of DBs just being in well moving into the Big 12. And the the other one, Randy Pittman, number two on on the depth chart at tight end, undersized H back talent. I know Gabe Brooks was a big fan of of his tape. Just a just a natural kind of pass catcher and he is not the longest of guys but someone that makes it work with his body control so John Walker the easy one but sounds like some other freshman could play for the Knights
1: Drew what's like the I mean this is a vague question but you're in Florida you're familiar with that program like what what's the level of excitement now with UCF and the Big 12 and the inaugural season getting ready to kick off here is is, do you feel like there's a higher level of interest in that program
0: i think so i mean i got some good friends that went to ucf and they seem to be as excited as ever now i don't think they are the biggest john rice plumley fans but they know gus wants to run the football i just think it could be a difficult year for ucf man they have one of the most brutal schedules out there they travel to boise state they go to kansas twice they play at in manhattan in lawrence then they're at oklahoma at texas tech at the end of the season i mean that is a lot of mileage it's almost like a pro schedule of sorts
1: get used to it here it comes (laughs) right the acc going out to the uh Pacific Coast as well. That sounds like it's going to happen soon. All right. Well, let's go off the coast, and let's go to the heartland, Kansas, Drew. Another one, it was like, man, where do you even go here? Just released a depth chart ahead of Missouri State on Saturday. The only guy that I could really find, even in terms of just positive feedback during fall camp, was Calvin Clements, backup right tackle as a freshman. 6'7", 295 pounds, three-star offensive tackle, number nine player in the state of Kansas. He's already carved out a role in a guy that they feel pretty confident in. He's in the two deep. We'll play some this year. That's all I got. I didn't. I mean, honestly, outside of that, I just could not want a lot of information.
0: Back to the program builders, right? <laughs> Kansas only has 13 true freshmen on their roster, which was a bit of an eye-opener. Only three of those guys in the two deep they posted this week. I went with Keaton Kubek, our number 241 wide receiver. And I think he might have been the lowest ranked of the wide receiver signees that they brought in. But reading what Lance Leopold has said, he went right to special teams. And I think a lot of times when fancy schools kind of assemble recruiting classes, they forget about how important special teams are. Like you need some of those kind of core individuals. Keaton seems to be someone that is going to be just that. And I think he's also going to get some run at wide receiver, but he's going to make an impact early on in the third aspect of, of the game and reading into Keaton went to Austin Westlake High School caught 53 passes for 828 yards 10 touchdowns as a senior how about Austin Westlake though and St. John Bosco when we did the Pac 12 potential freshman impact players i think what there was three Bosco guys mentioned i saw Bosco over the weekend they played at St. Thomas Aquinas i mean it is a different operation they are big you can tell they've been in the weight room, and man, they are coached extremely well. They ran out the punt team and punted the football, and I'm like, this is more efficient than some colleges. It's schemed better than some colleges. And Austin Westlake, Jaden Greathouse went there. He had two touchdowns for Notre Dame in week zero. Cade Klubnik got the starting nod later on at Clemson last season, also went to Austin Westlake. And then Ethan Burke. Another Austin Westlake kid, played in 11 games for Texas last season as a true freshman, primarily on special teams. Just just something I found interesting when we talk about these powerhouse programs, and and some of those guys oftentimes are ready to go a lot sooner than others.
1: Totally random here, but you know what I was thinking about receivers, and I was thinking about our potential impact freshman list, the SEC. Guess who caught a touchdown against Hawaii the other night? Landon Land Yeah. <laughs> how about that one catch, one tud? Jaden Greathouse, too, Drew. We can get to that on another pod. I mean, that guy already stud. We knew it. We knew how it many, and we didn't know it. Different how conversation.
0: How many 50 uh, 50 balls are Navy's defensive backs seeing in preseason camp?
1: That's a good question. That's a good question. He can ball, though, man. There's there's no there's no question about that. The other conversation comes down the line. All right, five programs left, Drew. We're going to go hurry up offense, try to get it done in the next 10 to 12 minutes-ish. Iowa State, I talked to some people around the Iowa State program, and it's like, it's the year of the freshman. They're going to play a lot of young guys.
0: Because yeah, they weren't on campus already.
1: Jack Sadowski, linebacker from Illinois. is a dude that they like a lot. You turn on the tape and you're like, all right, this traditional throwback, inside linebacker, Iowa State written all over him. Football instincts kind of jump off the tape. I don't know about the physical attributes. Good player, going to play a lot. Drew, I don't want to take your pick, but the other guy, they're excited about the quarterback, four-star J.J. Cole. Wow. Did I do it?
0: No, that's not my pick.
1: Yeah. They said he's going to play.
0: I'm not feeling good about my pick. Actually, I am. I'm confident in my pick. Abu Sama, number 27 running back. Cyclones depth chart, 2D, whatever you want to call it. Man, it is a thing of beauty. Four different oars at the running back position. Abu Sama is one of them. I'll say this. Cartavius Norton, who's expected to start at running back. I was a huge fan of him coming out of high school. They plucked him out of South Georgia. It was an early season evaluation. Norton had missed all of his junior season with a knee injury. I think he ran for like 350 yards. Iowa State called a week later, took an official visit. Bam, committed. I think he's going to be the guy, but I think Abu Sama is a name you need to know. 2022 Iowa Gatorade Player of the Year. Helped Southwest Polk to state titles in 2021 and 2022. He ran behind this guy named Caden Proctor at one of the tackle positions in the state title game this past winter. Ran for a record 372 yards and six touchdowns. Also the Iowa 2022 long jump champ going 24-5. Gabe Brooks, I remember, brought this kid up to me for a fourth star. I'm already regretting he didn't finish with a fourth star next to his name, but I think Iowa State's got to run the ball. Quarterback's not there. Starting running back's not there due to do we call it a gambling scandal? I don't I don't really know what you call it, like investigation. Um and I am not sold on on JJ Cole this early. Saw him at the Under Armour All American game. What you look for, I just still think he's from a a height standpoint. I think he had, he won the accuracy challenge that they did for the quarterbacks, but I still think he is he was a guy I would have thought two three years, not not year one. Um, and I'm kind of disappointed Rocco Beck has not secured that starting quarterback job. So really interesting to hear JJ Cole. They think he's going to play.
1: Well, a lot of it could be circumstantial. Right, the JJ J. Cole evaluation was pretty intriguing to me. I never always liked him, never loved him. Always felt like there was a market out there that really, really liked JJ Cole. Um, we'll see. Kind of like Mike Glennon to me, you know. So
0: uh, we point out that his. I know we're in hurry-up mode here, but like his dad was a kicker. You don't see many. Normally, if you're a kicker, you kind of stick in the special teams business.
1: We'll see, man. He's going against the grain a little bit. Um, I like going with the running back at Iowa State. I think that makes sense uh, from what we've seen those guys playing early. I mean, you go all the way back to David Montgomery, Brees Hall, to Jarrell Brock, right? They'll play those guys early. BYU. Drew, I went with another running back here, LJ Martin. From El Paso in Texas, 2000 yards plus over his last two seasons in high school, had 46 touchdowns in that two year span as well. Was formerly committed to Stanford. BYU doesn't seem like running back depth is an issue for them, but it sounds like they're going to have a hard time keeping this guy off the field.
0: He was a name that came up for me. I went Jackson Bowers here, our number 17 tight end last cycle on the two deep as tight end 3 um BYU brings back Isaac Rex excuse me who I I think can set some records this season if he has a good year but when I think BYU I think big bodies up front 21 personnel maybe even you know three tight end sets if you if you want to do it so I I I don't know if Jackson Bowers is going to be a guy month 1 month 2 but maybe month three for me but not surprising I mean just with guys returning from missions like there, is it, there isn't really a role or a, an, a runway for a lot of freshmen to get on the field year one
1: okay Houston had a like a, a couple different options that I really like Mikael Harrison Pilot I really liked him Jonah Wilson I really liked him I know some guys around that program Parker Jenkins was the name that came up running back there out of Texas, 10 7 in the 100 meter as a senior, 21 8 in the 200 meter. And he's one of those guys, Drew. I think before you even turn on the tape, you said, All right, I know he's fast, but we talk about vision, balance, patience, all those subjective intangibles that come with the running back position. I think he's got those. And out of all those talented guys I just mentioned before, Parker Jenkins was the name that it felt the Cougs were the most convicted on.
0: Well, I, I busted out the. Houston game notes. I don't have any contacts there, so couldn't phone a friend. And I mentioned this with Baylor. Man, it is hard to find information on uh, what's going on with the Cougars. I went with Mikel Harrison-Pilot. There wasn't a single freshman on their depth chart in those game notes, but he was the only freshman. that had a little blurb about Houston. Lost Tank Dell and Kashawn Carter from last year. Those two combined for basically 150 catches, 2,000 yards, and 22 touchdowns. Those guys are gone. I don't know if Mike Cal- Harrison Pilot is ready to go right now, but he is the fourth highest ranked signee ever for the Cougars. I think he is someone that they're going to try and get his feet wet as soon as he's ready.
1: Dana Holgerson had some dudes at West Virginia, and I don't know if I'm just like looking up and I'm noticing all of a sudden now because they're in the Big 12, but it's like, all right, you got Jonah Wilson, Matthew Golden, Mikhail Harrison, Pilot. You had the Alton McCaskill who ends up transferring to Colorado. It's like, dude, Houston's one of those places like real quick that I think if they get it going a little bit, they can kind of microwave it. And to me, from a skill position standpoint, they're going to be in a really good spot because of the geography.
0: Well, Tom Herman did it there.
1: Cincinnati, Drew, you know what's interesting about this one is we're doing this in projected order of finish. What does this say to you that Cincinnati is second to last?
0: I'm not gonna lie, I found it surprising.
1: Is it does it say more about Cincinnati's state of their current roster or how people just feel about Scott Satterfield?
0: I think the latter. And they I lost agree. a lot. I think Fickle brought some key components, not not only from a coaching staff and support staff standpoint, but there are some players that transferred out and ended up following him at Wisconsin. I went with Barry Jackson here, number 147 wide receiver, uh, attended Cedar Grove there outside of Atlanta. They flipped him from Nebraska he had a 34 yard touchdown catch in the spring game. Um, and he's got some some praise from the coaching staff listed as a as a co backup. So I went with Barry Jackson and then one of the only other freshmen I saw getting some buzz. And I got to give a shout out to this guy because he's from Miami Dade, Raquan Adkins, listed as the number three boundary corner. They flipped him from Louisville, which is obviously where Satterfield came from. You're going to take a DB, and you're not getting one of these premier guys. I I don't have any issues with you going into a school like Miami Northwestern, which sends a healthy amount of players not only to the Power Five level, but onto the NFL draft. So Barry Jackson's the pick. Runner up, Raquan Adkins. I love that kid coming out uh, last cycle.
1: You took my took my picture. Oh, did I? You did. Uh, and I'm glad you did because I used phone a friend again, right? Talking to my friends around oh, the Cincinnati I like, program. I, I like and, that even more. Yeah. Raquan Atkins was a name that came up, but it wasn't like you're going to see a ton of this guy this year. And the feel for Cincinnati's freshman class is they brought in a lot of transfers. A lot of these guys are going to sit and develop. They're not, not going to be a ton of freshmen that play early, but Raquan Atkins was a name that they feel. Is going to be a very very good player, so that's where I went.
0: Well, when you've been covering people since you were seven years old, year round, you know it doesn't take long to to show up and catch the eye of the coaching staff.
1: Last one, you ready to round this one out? West Let's Virginia. See. I Man. went with Rodney Gallagher. He was such a. I use the words intriguing, interesting, fascinating so much. I don't even know what you would call Rodney Gallagher's evaluation, but I went back and forth on it.
0: Basketball kid. And
1: basketball kid averaged 19 points per game. From Pennsylvania, right? I believe.
0: Keep talking. I <laughs> need to double check that. Uh, somewhere, somewhere Dynamic.
1: Yeah, dynamic return, man. Excellent with the ball in his hands. Quicker than he is fast, but I still think a guy that is going to get on the field early for West Virginia, he's dynamic when you put him in space. I like this dude so much. I mean, you talk about that natural ability playing with no waste emotion. motion. We kind of saw that on Saturday with Zachariah Branch. That, that was the theme. But so many of these guys that have that make-you-miss ability can't teach that. Right, that's inherent. I think Rodney Gallagher has got that playmaking ability that's going to lend to him being on the field early.
0: I think he's going to be their return man. Right?
1: I would bet my money on that.
0: Well, how about the gamesmanship here? West Virginia plays at Penn State Saturday night, seven p.m. What is it on NBC? I don't know. I'm shooting. It the is Nip- on NBC. NBC. Yeah. Neither team releasing depth charts because the other one won't love to see it. (laughs) But Chris Anderson, who covers West Virginia for 24 seven sports, he put out a story yesterday, five, five freshmen that could play Rodney Gallagher was on there, but the name that kind of raised my eyebrow, Traylon Ray wide receiver out of Tallahassee. And he will be a case study for me. Finish as a, 88 for us, so he slotted in as a number 101 wide receiver. Um, And why is it a case study, Cooper? I mean, he made plays, but he was doing it in one of the lowest classifications in the Sunshine State. I mean, he made plays as a return man, wide receiver, defensive back, also a basketball player, played baseball as well, not a track kid, just... Just one of those sticky evaluations. I only saw him one time on the camp and seven on seven circuit. And I know, I've brought this up to you and some other people. It's like, you know, when you get these wide receivers, like how do you it gets difficult to stack them when they're not playing, you know, the top end competition. And uh Traylon Raid for me is one that really interested to see how he does at at West Virginia. And last year they had one of the Biggest impact freshman and and CJ Donaldson, who was a tight end that they converted to running back, and he made a splash. What was that that opening night for West Virginia? So Traylon Ray is who I had. I think Rodney Gallagher makes a ton of sense as
1: well. Huge game for them. Huge game for Neil Brown. Like I don't think they have to win that game, but they need to be competitive. Last thing West Virginia needs is to get blown out, and then all of the a all all of a sudden, that sets the tone for the rest of the season, right? So. It's going to be an interesting one to watch. Drew, final thoughts on the on the Big Twelve? Only one Power Five conference left for us. That would be the Big Ten. I believe we're getting to that on Thursday before Week One kicks off. Any thoughts on the Big Twelve?
0: I'm ready, man. Uh, no quarterbacks selected by us, but I think we talked about three of them, right? Arch at Texas, Avery Johnson at Kansas State, Jackson Arnold at Oklahoma and then JJ Cole at Iowa State Cooper who has the best year of that four.
1: Jackson Arnold.
0: That's that's where I would go as well.
1: I think we expanded on that earlier, right? I mean, he's just he's a he's a dude I expect him to play. I expect Jackson Arnold to put Brent Venables in the situation where he gives him no choice. And he makes that decision very, very easy for him at some point. And then all of a sudden, that's what you see. And it's Jackson Arnold who's the guy that is uh, associated with Oklahoma's proud program in that quarterback position. Drew, I forgot to mention my prediction for the FedEx Cup it was Victor Hovland.
0: Hope, hopefully he made some money.
1: He won. And uh, I did not bet. So I learned my lesson. The uh, captain's picks are also in for the Ryder cup. I got to be, I got to be honest. A couple surprises here, Drew Lucas Glover off of it. How about this? Justin Thomas. Hope he's a gamer coach. Sometimes you just need locker room guys. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. You got to do what you got to do. All right, Drew, if you don't have anything else, I'm going to, I'm going to send this thing away take us home all right guys make sure to leave a rating in a review like i said if you have any questions for our mailbag episode tomorrow now is the time to do it make sure to get those in you can also submit those on twitter as well also make sure to subscribe to the show wherever you find your podcast spotify apple included and for andrew ivins producer lance glenn i'm cooper we'll see you tomorrow